Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Voice of Adoptees, which brings together diverse and unique voices from around the world to share their stories. If you liked today's episode, remember to give us a like, subscribe, and leave a review. Here's your host, David Shunk. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Voice of Adoptees podcast. This is your host, David Shunk. I haven't been around for a while, so if you don't know who I am, well, I'm adopted just like some of you. And, you know, that's... Uh, it's either a good thing or a bad thing, but you can dive in, take a look at our stories and find out. But today we are very honored to have a good friend of mine. Her name is Anna. She's a teacher at an all-boys school, so it shows that she's tough, so don't mess with her. And she is a great person, and she's here to tell her story, and we're going to get to know her a little bit. So, uh, Anna, take it away. You can tell us about yourself. All right. Thanks, David. I'm really happy to be here today. I think what you do with this podcast is fantastic. It's so good for families of adoptees, adoptees. You know, I think our whole goal is to raise awareness in any way we can, hopefully make adoption more of a positive, you know, concept um, for all the complexities that come with it. Um, so I'm just, I'm kind of excited to dive right. in and get to share my story, which is cool. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, go ahead. <laughs> So a little bit about me. I was born in Krasnodar, Russia. It's about two hours south of Moscow, right off the Black Sea. And uh, I have a sister and I have a brother. And I just recently found out I have a younger sister that she was born after me, but obviously, duh. <laughs> but I have... I don't know anything about her that can go into other stories then with like when I found my brother, but I went into the orphanage when I was about three. Uh, basically my parents unfortunately suffered with alcoholism like many Russians do. And they signed over their rights saying, you know, we, we are unfit parents. So, you know, we're, we want you to have the best chance you can. So I don't know how similar this is to other adoptees, but from my research, basically what happened was we were put into a kind of a temporary placement of an orphanage um, for about six months. And that kind of gave other Russian family members a chance to claim us if they wanted to take us home. Nothing came of that. Uh, no family visited, no family really actually knew where we were. They, from talking to my family, once I found them, they really didn't even know. They were like, you were here one day and you were gone the next and nobody really talked about it. So from there, we were put into the formal orphanage system and the way that it worked when I was, I was born in 91. So right towards the end of communism, you know, in Russia. Very, very tough, poor, poor times. Nine, yeah, 1991. That's when uh, it crashed officially. Yes. The USSR came down. Wow. Yes, we yep. always make a joke because my sister was born in 89. So we're like, you're the commie of the family. <laughs> 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 so yeah. she, she's that yep. stalwart, like, strong, quiet Russian, you know. But... The, the orphanage, I was lucky. The orphanage that we were in, you know, they did the best they could to care for us. I 
have, you know, we were, we were fed, we were clothed, we were safe. Um, so really the basics were met. Uh, yeah. And remind me to come back to why my orphanage is famous. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. So I was there until about five and a half when my adoptive parents, they decided they wanted to start their family. And my mom had coworkers who had actually gone through MAPS, which is the organization that I was adopted through, based out of Maine. MAPS, that's right. You and I connected over MAPS because that's my agency as well. Yes. 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 That's awesome. Yeah. So they, they went through MAPS because my mom knew a lady who adopted two little girls from Russia. And when she was thinking about starting a family, she's like, hey, you know, I've heard really good things. I'd really like to look into seeing if we can find children. So as you know, they, they reached out, they got the little pictures of the kids who were at the orphanage up for adoption. And they wrote our names under our pictures and were like, basically, these are the available children. Sometimes I feel like yeah. it's a catalog and I, I've had mixed feelings about that over the years. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a little strange. Yeah, yeah it's, I mean, hey, you know, you want to see the children you're going to adopt, so why not? But they came over and, um, you know, they did the whole, they met with the director of the orphanage. They met us that first day and then they went back to their hotel. And then the next day was when things really got official. You know, we had this big lunch, like food I had never seen in my life. It was beautiful. It was fresh. They had like croissants and desserts and fruit. And so like, you know, I think they wanted to make it special, like kind of celebratory, you know, you have a family. I was going to say, it kind of sounds like uh, it's a celebration the Americans were showing. <laughs> yes. Yes. It was, it was almost like a pageant. They, they got us dressed up. Like I see a lot of like those big bows that they put in the kid's hair, you know? Oh yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's so funny looking back because I'm like, we never wore those clothing other than to just meet our parents. So and it was funny the first time I met my dad, obviously language barrier, you know, <laughs> they didn't speak Russian. We didn't know English. Yeah. Uh, so my dad's way of connecting was to get on the floor and act like a dog and play with me. And I was like, hey, this is cool. He's a weirdo. Normal. I'm a weirdo. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so um bark bark so, i'm dad bark bark <laughs> welcome <laughs> so we stayed in russia for about a week so that like my parents kind of used it as a vacation we did the tour tourist sightseeing went to the russian circus went you know to saint basil's of course i think everybody has that picture right <laughs> yeah I, that, that's mandatory it's in the book it says yeah. you have to get this done before you board the airplane. Yes. <laughs> yep. So, um, yeah. yeah, so we, you know, did our thing and we came back to the U.S. And I'm so grateful that I had my sister with me because I had someone to talk to and I had like a person to connect with while I was figuring out all this stuff with my new parents. Yeah. And uh, it was funny because about a week after we were home, I was like, well, I'm ready to go back home. I thought it was just like a visit. I didn't know I was like here forever. Yeah. And my sister's like, well, if she's going, I'm going. <laughs> like, we're, you're not separating us. And so my mom like panicked and was like, no, no. Like she had to sit down and explain to us the best she could. Like, 
we're your family now, you know, you're with us, you're safe. It's okay. So, you know, that was, it was tough the first couple months. And I think that's where as an adult, looking back on it, I think we, and I say we, in terms of organizations that work with international adoption, especially, um, could use more, uh, transition resources. You know, Mm -hmm. you have all those social workers through the process, like you have the doctors and stuff while you're there and then you get home and it's just, everything kind of falls away and you're kind of left to figure it out. And, um, you know, everybody takes it differently. My sister and I are complete opposites. She, you know, she's very tough. She, kind of shut everything away from Russia. And I think part of that is because she was older than I was. So she had more memories. And uh, I have snippets because I was so young when I was still with my parents. It's like, sometimes I, I, it's like, is it a memory? Is it a dream type of thing? It's like, I, I have memories of my mom's legs standing at the uh, kitchen sink, washing dishes. But like, I keep trying to like, lengthen that view so I can see her face in my memory. And I just, I could never, I could never figure it out. So I, I struggled a lot with my adoption. Um, I had a lot of issues. I didn't really act out. I mean, my childhood, we, we were very lucky with the family that we were adopted into, but I always felt, you know, I, I knew we were adopted. You know, it was never one right. of those you find out, oh my God, I'm adopted. And so I always kept that close to me. And so as soon as I was old enough to really ask questions and try to understand, I was always asking, you know, where's my family? Do you have information on my family? I knew we had a brother. We had a brother. His name was Maxim. Maxim, um, yeah. Yeah. And he did not come with us because his birth father was different. So when we were in, put in the orphanage, his dad actually came and, and took him home. So he was not available to be adopted with us. Oh, wow. And we were a closed adoption. So at that point, we couldn't really get information or contact with anybody. Right. So I was always kind of felt like I was missing a piece because I knew I had that family. I knew I had that brother. And my parents were as, as lovely as my parents were and as blessed as I was to have them. They had the mindset growing up and it was out of trying to protect us. Yep. I understand that now. Um, it was, you're an American now. Like, that's it. You're, you're here. You need to be in America. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And, and I think, I think part of that was because they wanted me to, connect fully with being here, getting to know, you know, the American culture. Um, so growing up, there were a lot of kind of tiffs of like, my sister would be like, just drop it Anna, just drop it. Like we have a good life. And I was always like, no, I want information. Um, so when I got into the really old enough to try and search for things, I was 18. I had just gone to college and I was like, freedom. (laughs) (laughs) I think that happens a lot with my parents were very overprotective. Yeah. So, so they, they had to know 
what we were doing all the time, who we were with, you know, we had one babysitter that I remember. My parents went out on one date and never again. They were like, we couldn't handle it. We, we were so nervous the whole time. Like they just wanted to get back to us. So it was always like my family was my unit. Like, yeah, they knew everything that was going on. Yeah. Um, so when I was 18, I started looking, I reached out, I tried to contact maps. And at that point, I think the organization had either changed names or changed the way it was run because they said that I was, they weren't able to share stuff with me because uh, it was a closed adoption. And they were like, and also the rules changed because now you have to get parental permission to get information. And I was like, well, that's not going to happen. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I, I had tried before and my parents just were not ready. I, their fear was honestly, if I did connect with family, they would ask for money or they would ask for like, they were afraid that I would get taken advantage of. Yeah. That's understandable. Um, I mean, that's, you know, they, yeah. they hear stories like that happening. Yeah. Unfortunately. And I think a lot of, a lot of uh, choices that people make are based out of fear, you know? Yeah. Um, where I was just genuinely, I wasn't fearful of anything. I was like, if I find my family, I mean, what, how, why would they hurt me? You know? But I always come from a more positive view. Like I always had hope. Um, so I kind of gave it up for a couple of years and then 21, I tried again and I didn't really have much luck. So I think that's actually when I, I found somewhere in that time between 18 and 21, I found your Facebook group, Russian adoptees. I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Like people like me, they get it. Like I started connecting with people and through your group, I found out about the Freedom of Information Act. Yep. And that was a life changer. I went, I started researching everything I could on like, how do you get information? What do you fill out? So take a few years later in like 2021, right after COVID hit, because I was home, I was bored, didn't know what to do with myself. <laughs> so I was just like, okay, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Yeah. So I did the Freedom of Information Act. And within like three weeks, I got an email with all my documents. It had like 54 pages of, you know, your, your decrees and the adoption paperwork. And, you know, it had the English translated forms and it had the original Russian forms. And so through that, I was able to get my parents' names and birth dates the town that I was born, actually born in, it was a little teeny tiny town called Timoshevsk. And with that, I was able to reach out. I found out about Russian social media, VK and OK. Yep. Yep. And through that, I kind of just put a blurb out there. I was like, hey, this is the information I have looking for family. I assumed no one really moved out of the Krasnodar area. So I got a hit back from this lady who reached out and was like, hi, I saw your post and I am your cousin. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, like I 
I literally screamed and was like running around my house because I was so excited. Yep. Yeah. And then through that, she was like, I know your aunt. I'm going to put you in touch with your aunt. And, you know, that's how I found my family. Um, so I reconnected with my aunt. I reconnected with my brother. Um, and he was just overjoyed. He was like, I have been trying to find you guys for years. And he was like, I just, he didn't have the resources. He didn't have the information to really, cause he actually went back to the orphanage yeah. to talk to the director and see like, can you give me information? And he was like, it was closed. They couldn't give me anything. So with that, you know, I just started the journey of connecting with my family and it's funny, my aunt was like, oh, do you speak Russian? I was like, no, you know, I lost it. Like my sister and I stopped using the language. So we really didn't have a community around us that had Russian speakers. Yeah. Um, so part of me, I think, feels at a loss, like part of my identity is gone. And I think that's a big, big issue for for adoptees, especially international adoptees. You know, you you want that culture of who you are. Um, and it's just, it's been a whirlwind. It's been amazing, but I did find out, uh, both my parents had passed away. Actually, my dad, I'm assuming passed away. My aunt was like, he disappeared 20 years ago and we don't know where he is. So that was like, uh, okay. That, that, se that seems to happen. Uh, unfortunately, a lot over there is. The story is the uh, the husband or the boyfriend or the guy disappears, and sometimes they know more information. Sometimes they have no idea. But I yeah. I wouldn't give up if I were you. I'd still try to find relatives on the biological father's side, maybe like yeah, cousins absolutely. or uncles or friends or neighbors or anything yeah. really. Yeah, anything. So it's it's just been really a very emotional journey. A lot of emotions came up that I. I thought I was ready. I thought I was like, okay, I, I can handle this. And it it's overwhelming sometimes. It is overwhelming. But I am very lucky. I was in therapy at the time. So I really had a good like person who I could process with. And that is probably one of the biggest things I'm thankful for. Like, I, there's still so much stigma around mental health and, you know, getting help for things. And I was just like, I'm going to give myself every opportunity to be as healthy as I can be. You know, it's, it's a lot of trauma. Even if you weren't physically abused, it's a lot of emotional trauma. Yeah, no, that's true. To sift through. So I think platforms like this are so important because it gives us an outlet and it gives us people who get it. Exactly. That's, it all starts, you know, I've been, I was telling someone the other day, it all starts with simply sharing our stories and starting that conversation. If you want to solve something, you have to start talking about it and then you need to go do it. Like you can't just sit yes. there and keep talking about it because eventually it's going to get old. So that right. we're trying to start something where we can help a large, you know, a large population who, were adopted or maybe they're they know someone who was adopted and they want to help them or give them some tips and you know mm -hmm. anything to just make the world a little bit better you know that's yeah. the goal and and you know i think um a couple things i i heard growing up which i'm sure other adoptees have heard was like you should be grateful you know you're you're here now we saved you and 
I don't think my parents tried to make it hurtful, but it's kind of like when you, when I would get in trouble, sometimes the response from my parents was, we didn't have to adopt you. And like, can you imagine how crushing that is for a kid to be like, well, my fam- my birth family, that, you know, whether or not it's true, you have, sometimes you get those thoughts of like, well, they didn't want me. Yeah. They didn't try. Like for a while I was very upset. Like I was angry with my birth parents. I was like, why didn't you try harder to take care of us? Why didn't you, you know, fight more? And then I, as I grew older, I started to understand alcoholism and started to understand like it's a disease, you know, it's, we need to have compassion for people who are going through that because, you know, and and when I was talking to my aunt, I kind of asked her, I was like, I know my parents struggled with alcohol and, and drugs and things. And I said, were they always like that? You know, I was just trying to understand like, where I came from. Yeah. And she was like, no, your, your mother was lively and happy and like, you know, energetic and a goofball and, you know, life got hard and, and they started drinking, you know, it was, it was cheap. It was easy to get to. Yeah. And that was their coping mechanism. Um, so as I've grown older, I've been able to forgive them a lot more. And, you know, sometimes now I obviously I can't forgive them to their faces, but I hope that, you know, wherever they are, they, they know, you know, I'm, I'm really, I love them. I, you know, they did the best that they could. Right. For the circumstances and everything. And the, the hard, you know, the hard truth is we're not in their shoes. So at that time, you know, people have to understand that sometimes it was the best option at that time. And in their mind, in their eyes, they were doing what they thought was the best thing to do for this child yeah. at that time, at that moment. Yeah. So you could always and, judge, and I, his, you know, you can judge history that happens. But when you're living yeah. it and you're in the moment, you don't have time to really think about it. You know, you're, you're busy. You're doing it. <laughs> yeah, right. And, uh, and I, had, I had to really take a look at myself and be like, if I were in a situation I would hope that I would be strong enough to give my child the the best chance. Right. You know? And so I think it's just having that empathy, having that compassion to really just not judge people because you don't know, you know, what they're going through is, is so important, especially in the healing process. Staying angry at my parents was not helping me. Yeah. You know, so So I short term kind of solution, really. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's been it's been quite the journey, but I, I feel like the older I get, the more I, I start to research and understand the all the things that go into adoption, you know, the psychology and the, you know, other issues. It's like I I find myself being more understanding with just people in general. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, adoption is something that there are so many layers to it that, you know, in some ways, you have to think people who aren't adopted, they don't have to go through these many layers and all the other stuff that's going on in their personal life. We have to yeah. do, you know, it's like we have to work twice as hard sometimes to get by. And whether that's how the adoption stigma is attached to us and people assume that we need that extra whatever, or maybe it's true. I mean, there are a lot of people who were adopted 
at any age that, you know, would have some issues with maybe learning English or writing or reading. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. It's understandable. I mean, <laughs> you were taken out of an environment where you spoke a different language and, you know, it's, mm -hmm. that's just the way the world works. But mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, you, you said it perfectly about but what I really liked is when you made the connection about um, after you are getting older, looking back on a lot of this and realizing that, you know, they everyone was trying the best they could and like their best intentions, uh, whether some of your adoptive parents or you came to terms with your birth family, you know, they were struggling, but they thought they were doing the right thing. And looking back on it, it's 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 healthy that you can forgive and move on and there are some people who will dwell on that for the rest of their lives and it's not you know i'm not a therapist so yeah uh, i'm and, not going to give I advice but like <laughs> no absolutely i think it's you know certainly there are times and and you have to allow people to feel their emotions and yeah, go through it because absolutely. i almost compare it to the, the the like cycle of grief when you lose somebody right you know, you, you go through those emotions, you feel anger, you feel loss, you, you know, feel sadness and, you know, adoption truly there, there is a loss. There's, there's an identity loss. There's a, you know, I think nature versus nurture, you know, you're always going to have a part of you, regardless of how well adjusted you are, that you're going to, just because you know, you're missing something, you know, that you have to work through. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. That's, you know, as long as you keep sticking with it and keep on moving forward, that's what matters. But let's go back a little bit. And I made sure I didn't forget. Let's talk about why your orphanage is famous. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. So my orphanage, when I started looking into it and I found the name of the director, Antonina, and don't ask me to say her last name because my pronunciation. Can you pronounce is... her last name for us, for the record? <laughs> I don't even know. It's like Gorbachaya or something. Beautifully yeah, done. So... Beautiful. Thank you. You passed. Thank you. I'm a terrible Russian. I cannot roll my R's. Uh, I... So I couldn't for the longest time ever until I had a good friend of mine in college named Lexi, and she taught me that apparently. If you say like butter really quickly, that way you pronounce butter, like with the R. So I kid you not, we spent from 7 p.m. no sleep all night until breakfast time in the morning at college. And awesome. literally just saying, but it actually loosened up certain like, you know, whatever muscles or something in my mouth. And I started to be able to roll my R's all of a sudden. And it was weird. <laughs> but that's I, so cool hey if you can't sleep you want to stay up doing my meaning meanless stuff there you go you know what i'm doing with my evening tonight <laughs> give me a call at 3 a.m and we can talk about butter <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh yeah so the my director she she was a lovely woman she was happy and she loved the kids and like she really did did her best to to run a smooth ship yeah um but i found an article where she had passed away and then, you know, you get lost in the wormhole of the internet. And I saw this article that just said, Russian orphan cannibal. And I was like, what? <laughs> so apparently there was a child in my orphanage that she got mixed up with an older guy. 
and he got her into like just just messed up stuff and she was 12 and he was like 19 or something and uh apparently he was killing people and then he was feeding her body parts and so it became this big thing. People wanted to pull their kids out of the orphanage. They wanted to shut down the orphanage. And they were afraid that, like, this child being there was going to be a danger. And, you know, it was a it was a big thing. So so I will now never forget my orphanage. <laughs> wow. When you said that your orphanage was famous, I was thinking kind of something happy. But <laughs> I guess uh, no. never mind. <laughs> Very traumatic. But, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, so that's definitely... That that's different okay well yeah. luckily you're not there anymore and we don't have to no, worry about no. that so very blessed life yeah so looking back and kind of seeing where you're at now with the whole process um with you know finding relatives and reconnecting what stages of that uh kind of relationship do you think you are maybe going to move forward with or looking forward to or are you just kind of just taking it you know day at a time um, you know, for a little bit, I have one of those personalities where once I am in into something, I just like go ham. I just go all the way in. Yep. And then like, you know, I just uh, sometimes I overwhelm myself because I want to do so much at the same time. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I there was a time where I was talking to my brother and my aunt like every single night and just getting stories and like pictures oh my gosh when they started sending me pictures of family yeah i listen i was crying i was losing it all over the place because it was like <laughs> i saw my parents for the first time i you know i saw Amazing. my grandparents yeah. mm -hmm. it was just it was unreal yeah so like just i just felt like a sponge i was soaking it all in anything i could get about my family and my my next goal kind of in the process of this, I would really like to learn Russian, even if it's just conversational in order to communicate more effectively. Because right now it's like my, my aunt will send me a message and then I'll translate it and then I'll send my message and I'll translate it back to Russian for her. So I, it's tedious. I mean, it doesn't take away it being worth it communicating with my family, certainly. Right. Um, but that is my next goal to kind of learn. And it's, it's tough. So like, I think I, I learn best by doing and, and I can't just like read it. And like, so I think if I can find people who would like practice with me and like, you know, teach me stuff that, you know, that'd be great. Duolingo is all well and good, but you know, you really need to do it. Um, and it's funny because my aunt's like, oh, you know, Russian, it's in your blood. And I'm like, it may be in my blood. It's not in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so it's can't get, you know, you, Duolingo is good, but it's uh, it covers the basics. So, you know, I don't think I would, I would not recommend, you know, traveling to Russia, spending a month there, you know, after one lesson of Duolingo and right. being able right. to say yes, no and where's the bathroom yeah. but maybe yeah. that's all you need over there but, yeah. but <laughs> um, it's uh it's a, it's a journey i mean it's it's hard it's a hard language yeah it is yeah yeah no i agree with you so i i started to take lessons in high school actually 
because uh, mm-hmm. I was interested. And we had a Russian native that lived nearby that was friends with the our, uh, my adoption agent out of MAPS. Uh, her name mm-hmm. is Mercy. I don't know if you have the same one or I, Mercy Marchuk. No, not, not for me. She's a very no. popular woman. Who knows? Um, That's awesome. Yeah. And so I went to my first Russian lesson and this woman, her name was Nina. She was like old school Russian, like the fiery, piercing red hair, the stern face. And I was so scared the whole time I was there. <laughs> no English was spoken. She wouldn't respond to you if you tried to speak English. Even like simple things like, hey, can I use your restroom? She'd literally point at like the Russian dictionary and say, you know, figure it out. <laughs> Ask me it and then you can go. And um, I came back after three hours, first time meeting her, three hours and most pounding headache I've ever had in my life. Yes. But uh, yeah, no, it's a hard language. And, you know, for anyone that's willing to learn it, you know, props to them. I, I try to keep it up as best I can, but if you don't speak it enough, it's... it's you don't use it, you lose it. Yep. That's right. Yep. Absolutely. That's right. Yeah. So my next question is, have you ever thought about traveling to Russia and going for a visit? And I know right now, I would probably not recommend that, but right. in the years coming forward, do you see yourself taking a trip? I would absolutely love to. That is that is my dream. And my aunt, she's she's welcomed me with open arms. She's like, you can stay with us. You don't have to pay for anything. Like, we will show you all the sites and like take you to your house. And so I definitely know at some point it's going to happen because I need it to happen. Yeah. Um, but certainly with everything going on right now, you know, you got to wait for a, a safer time. So for right now, I'm just relying on, you know, communication and videos and pictures and stuff. Yeah. Have you explored um, any more in depth about your Russian side, whether it's the culture, whether it's the food, maybe yes. movies or uh, uh, music? Yes. So um, I actually, a few years ago, my aunt sent me a recipe for cookies, mm. uh, holiday cookies. It's a uh, different, different countries call it different things, but it, uh, it's like rugelach. They're these cookies that you roll and you put like, you can put honey and walnuts in it. And then like you dip it in powdered sugar. Right, right. Yep. They're very good. So I've been doing that now. Like I, I make that at Christmas time to kind of keep my, I'd really like to add more cultural practices into my everyday life. You know, in the winter, I'm a, I'm a huge, huge fanatic about borscht. Like I, I will make that from scratch and it's just, it's funny how sounds and smells and tastes like really take you back. Yep. hundred yeah. percent. It's, it's really odd, but I will say when I was over in Russia and I went into uh, my orphanage for the first time being back in that country, I got a strong smell of uh, soup, whether it's cabbage soup or a combination of borishing cabbage soup, but it smelled like cabbage and that immediate feeling of like warmth and comfort. Yes. And, it's, and every time I make Russian food here or go to a restaurant and the smell that you smell dill or whatever it is, oh, yeah. and it's just instant like it's just it's a feel good food for me and it i'm sure it's for you as well yeah yes yes i always have a jar of pickles in my fridge listen 
There you if go. If it's pickled, I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. The, it's funny that you say um, that because the one time my sister and I, we went to Philly mm-hmm. yep. and we found a Russian market yeah. and I literally went and I closed my eyes and I walked down the aisle and I literally just used my nose to find smells that were reminiscent of things. So yeah. like I got this huge bag of just like Russian candy that I was like, I know that smell or I know that picture of like, you know, the wrapper. So it's, it's funny how little things like that. And it's just like a, a mood booster. You know, you just get that little happy vibe of like, yes, like this is, I get it. Like, you know, yeah. so I do try to incorporate little things. I have different trinkets that we brought over from the orphanage. Like I have a Matryoshka set. You know, I have a couple of those. Yep. And I I like Russian music. I like like the folk music. It's just like I listen to that when I'm, you know, if I need to just kind of recenter myself. I'm just like, okay, go to go to comfort. You know, go to what you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's there awesome. There was this pick there was a story, and maybe you know it better than I do. I used to have nightmares. I think they they must have used it to scare us in the orphanage or something. Of it was a it was like a, a an old lady who lived in a house that was on chicken legs, and she would snatch up children and like her house was on chicken legs, so her house could like move. And I don't know what it was, but I had nightmares about that thing for years. That sounds terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Thanks. Hey. I'm probably not going to sleep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up. Look it up. I swear, it's a it's a thing. It's a real wow. thing. Wow. I mean, I I will I will say when I came over after being adopted for the first few years, I had really bad uh, sleep terrors. It was just scary. I remember, you know, it's it's kind of sad to say, but the first memory I have being like the youngest memory I have is waking up in the United States screaming. <laughs> oh my! Like, oh. Like, I mean, it, it, because of these night terrors, it was always sure. like the. It's just, oh man! But luckily, I got over that. But I mean, yeah, it's it's tough. I think subconsciously, when you're in an orphanage and you have that uh, for the first few years of your life, just psychologically, I really do think it does. You know, and there are studies that I'm sure that back this up that say. You know, the child might have experienced different types of trauma, might have mm-hmm. experienced isolationism or um, identity problems as they get older, or maybe a yeah. heightened sense of heightened sense of anxiety, mm-hmm. which is very common. I mean, I yeah. I struggled with anxiety for pretty much my whole life until finally I had a doctor that just straight up told me, like, you know, this is medication you can try and we'll see if it does anything. I yeah. took it, and after a couple months of suffering and feeling like it was the worst thing in the world. I woke up one morning and I just sat up in my room and then I'm just like, huh, it was like quiet. And I just kind of like for a moment, shut my eyes. And I'm just like, what's like, what's different? And I'm like, wait, like I have no anxiety about anything. Like, yeah, it's gone. Like 100%. it's amazing. I totally uh, just one day it. gone from it was. And this was like, this was COVID time when it was mm. bad, where if I went to the grocery store, Standing in like a line, like it was the most terrifying thing in the world. Like my heart would be racing. I'd be yeah. sweating. It's like, it just was not comfortable to do anything. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I felt great. And I took a week vacation after that. <laughs> like, 
and I've been, you know, I've been on the up and up ever since. But that's awesome. Yeah, anyway, me too. Back to, I get it. I get yeah, it. Yeah, no, anxiety I'm... definitely has a big connection with, I think, uh, being adopted. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. um, I and do have I a question. A... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Just on anxiety real quick. I had a therapist that was, um, she worked with RAD children, ah, children who yep. suffered with RAD. Yep. And, you know, that I think that really helped me because she had an understanding of pitfalls and like things that I might struggle with being adopted that I might not even realize are a challenge for me. And, you know, I will never, ever regret asking for help or going on medication or, you know, talking to someone. I've um, always, yeah, I, I've always loved uh, seeing therapists over the years and I've always, you know, I grew up in a very like kind of focused mindset of, you know, make sure that, you know, like here are the resources, you know, it's okay to talk to people. And yeah. I, I mean, I know, you know, blame it on different generations that maybe they didn't think about it at mm -hmm. the time. I mean, I mean, to be fair for a long time, I'm, you know, my parents, even though they're veterinarians and had medical degrees, it's like for a while, they thought anxiety was something that you could just snap out of and like, yes, quote unquote, get over it. Or yeah. this is, this is the best one that my mom would always say. Well, if you just don't think about it, it goes right. away. <laughs> I'm just like, yes. Hmm. Yes. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I always give her a hard time now. I'm like, yeah, how about that anxiety mom? Yeah. And she'll be like, I'm so sorry I did this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah. um, yeah, I mean, so I have had a, I have a really good question for you yes. um, that I thought of a while ago. And I'm glad that I didn't forget. So what connections have you made uh, personally from being a teacher and you're adopted? And if you made any connections on a whole like different level, I'm curious to see you know, your opinions or thoughts. Yeah, it's, it's been amazing. I think having the two kind of opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of going from poor, poor, poor to like knowing what it is to be hungry, you yeah. know, knowing what it is to be in survival mode as a child to being very fortunate with the family I was adopted in. We, we didn't want for anything. I mean, yeah. and let's be real, adoption can be expensive. So, yeah. you know, we just, I was just lucky in the family I, I was put with. Yeah, yeah, me too. I feel like I have a better ability to connect with my students because I've, my whole teaching career has been in inner city schools with low income kids, with foster kids and, you know, tough, tough situations. And you know, if, if I can connect with a kid and I feel safe enough, I do start to share my adoption story with them. And they're like, wow, like you went through a lot. And I was like, yeah, and, and I'm okay now. But I always tell my students, like, I'm okay because I reached out. I made friendships. I trusted people. I think sometimes to protect ourselves, like my sister is the perfect example to protect ourselves, like we, we almost shut ourselves off yeah. because we're yeah. like, I don't, I don't want to get hurt. So if exactly. I don't open up to somebody, they can't get to me. And showing that vulnerability with my students has been incredible in terms of how much more they're willing to give to me, how much more effort they put in because they know at the end of the day, 
if they have an issue, they can come to my room. They can talk to me. Right. I'm not going to judge them for anything. So it's, it's really beautiful. And I, I feel like sometimes I call it my superpower. I feel like <laughs> adoptees find each other without even trying. Yeah. One of my closest friends, uh, I've known him for years. He, and I didn't even know it until after I met him a little bit, he was adopted and he was adopted as a baby, but we connected on that and we talked about it. And like, we shared so many thoughts and feelings and he really got it. Like, so when I, when I, I and this is me just being open, I mm. suffered from panic attacks for a very long time. Yeah. yeah. And, and he just had that patience of, he let me go through it. He would talk to me, you know, we, we would, we would kind of debrief, debrief together. So I think that is, it's just cool how we find, we in the community find each other, whether we're trying to or not. Yeah, no, I, I agree hundred percent. You, it's surprising when you share your story and you make those connections and there, especially I've noticed and maybe, you know, this is just my general statement for whatever, but um, I've noticed that it, a lot of the older generations that were adopted before us, you know, people who are 20, 30 years older that were adopted, different laws, different, you know, time, mm -hmm. um, tend to be, you know, more reserved about it because they never, they never had like these resources where they could really open up. Right. So that's why, you know, through the journey of like podcasting and meeting all these adoptees and listening to people's stories, it's fascinating when you hear some of these people who are in their fifties and sixties and they're talking about adoption and they're like, you know, for 50 years, I've never actually looked in myself, like looked inside of myself and thought about it and yeah. where, I, where my story really is from. You know, I always, you know, it was not encouraged. That's, right. that, you know, that's pretty much what I'm trying to say. It wasn't really encouraged back then to talk about it. And because, you know, to them, it, it was it was black and white back then. Yeah. It was you know yeah. not not just the TVs, but um, the, 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 that was a good, that was a good connection right that there. Was, I was I wasn't even trying, <laughs> but you know the it wasn't something that you know they just went in depth about. It was a very you know you were adopted. Okay, that's great. Moving on. But yes. now today it's just like okay, you were adopted, and then first thing we do we run to Google. Right. I'm adopted from you know, and then you see everything about it, and then yes. Thankfully, from the internet, we can connect with people. You can, you know, podcasts are awesome. They're trending yeah. like crazy. And, yes, you know, the one thing I will say is I've met every every adopted individual I've met. They're always willing to talk to you, even if they don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> I know a few. <laughs> they will still talk to you. And, yes. um, you know, that's, and it, it means something because when you're going through something that, only someone else who's adopted understands you really need that uh, mm -hmm. support because there are times where, you know, growing up, I would have friends or family that would say, you know, I have no idea. Like, I like, Oh, I'm sorry, but I don't get it. It's yeah. like, well, yeah, because <laughs> you're not adopted, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, but, um, and I think yeah. it's okay. You know, sometimes there, some things people are not never going to get unless they've been through it. Yeah, exactly. There's only a certain level of understanding that yeah. they can have if they have not experienced it. Yeah. And I think that's why platforms like this, where you allow adoptees to connect and find each other, it's 
it's beautiful. It's healing. It's, you know, it gives us a safe space to really be vulnerable with each other on a level that we can't be with other people. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, the stories are very, they're, they're deep. And the one thing which I think is so fascinating is when you meet someone who's adopted, they're a total stranger, but within one hour, they will probably feel like the closest friend you have in your entire life. Yes. I'm dead serious. And it's the, it's the, it's weird, but it's amazing at the same time. It is amazing. I mean, especially when you have like these, you know, you have like these adoptee meetups and you get, you know, like I remember the, the first one I attended uh, that we organized about ooh, five, six, six years yeah, ago. Seven. Yikes. <laughs> but um, yeah, down in New York, we had about like, 10 people, 10, 12 people. We all just, uh, you know, stayed at an Airbnb in a nice house uh, in the around the city. And um, it was like, we're all brothers and sisters, like yeah. no problem. And it, it was just, it was amazing. Like the whole experience was great. Yeah. It, and like you said it yourself, you meet adopted individuals at like really unexpected times and places. Mm -hmm. And whenever you meet them, it's just so cool because you have something that is so deep to talk about immediately. So yeah, you don't have to worry about, you know, small talk or how's the weather. You can be like, Hey, what's your story? And then, you know, yes. five hours later, you're still going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, so my final question for you is what advice or suggestion could you pass on to our listeners about your experience about being adopted? I think I would say, don't be afraid to find out your story. Knowledge is power and knowledge is empowering. And the more I have found out about my family and, and culture and, you know, just understanding where I come from and why things happened the way they did it's really helped to kind of take my broken pieces. And, and it was that glue that kind of made me feel like I'm going to be okay. It doesn't matter what life throws at me. I survived one of the hardest things in the world and I'm going to be okay. Yeah. And I think as long as you never stop reaching out to people and you never stop searching for answers, it's, it's a journey. And I think we just have to ride it like waves. There are going to be low times. There are going to be storms, but it's who you have with you during those storms that matters. The worst thing to do is to try to keep it down or force yourself to not feel it because that just creates so much more pain and turmoil. And it's not easy. I mean, if you are going to be truly open to the experience and and healing, you have to dig deep. You have to kind of get to the nitty gritty and it's not going to feel comfortable. It's not going to be fun all the time. But if you have the right people and the right support systems, like I have with you, just you as a friend, you know, and, and the group, yeah. it's amazing how much growth you can have. And I think just my view has gone from, you know, oh, uh, I don't really want to talk about me being adopted because I'm going to get those comments of, oh, you were bought or, oh, you know, you weren't wanted. It's, 
the only way that we're going to help heal and fix the stigma around adoption is to talk about it. Bring it into the light. Bring bring the good, the bad, and the ugly. And the more you can glue those pieces of yourself together, the more you're going to find your identity and be okay with who you are. So I think whether you're just starting your adoption journey, whether you've found your family, just keep going, keep going through it. And I think even for those who maybe have gotten information they don't want, or it's sad, or maybe they've never found their families. Hello, that's my dog. (laughs) (laughs) welcome to the show (laughs) i think you know family at the end of the day is who you choose to bring into your fold and who you choose to trust and love that's what adoption is you're you are special you were chosen so don't be afraid to be vulnerable and get that love from whoever is willing to help you that's that's beautiful i couldn't have said it better myself Anna, thank you so much for your time uh, today. Thank you, David. It means a I lot a that you. Oh, me too. And uh, we, we we can probably schedule a part two, I'm sure, because sure. we we can uh, keep yeah. talking for a long time. But it's been a pleasure seeing you and uh, talking to you again. You know, I hope uh, I hope everything is going well and great in your life, and you deserve it. We all deserve happiness. And um, Again, thank you so much for your story. Uh, it absolutely. was it was amazing having you here. Absolutely, um, and I'm sure I will I will talk to you again. Absolutely, we're gonna have a we'll have another special with you very soon. Definitely, thank you so much. Thanks, David. Anna's story is going to be available uh, very soon to all of you on all of our podcast streaming platforms as well as our YouTube channel. If you're adopted yourself, or you know someone who wants to come on and chat with me or Cat. You can pick who you like. I'm just kidding. We're both pretty cool. Come on and send us an email or you can just book a uh, time slot. and We can uh, have a conversation about adoption. Thanks for stopping by. It's always a pleasure. And remember, Voice of Adoptees, who am I? Thanks for listening to Voice of Adoptees. Please take a moment to like, subscribe, and leave a review. See you next time.